what you're wearing. In this episode, I'm gonna, we're gonna do a, I'm gonna, you know where, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta yeah. we're gonna talk all about Marc Jacobs. Yes, we love Marc Jacobs. And then my vocabulary word is going to be metal mesh chainmail. Which is four words, that's not a word. You know what I mean, people. William. Mark Allen. I mean, I'm so happy to be with you on Hallowed. Halloween, yeah. Hallowed, what's it called? Hallowed, Hallowed. Remember Hallowed Eve? Remember there's a name for it. Hallow's Eve? Yeah. Is that what it's called? But that's when it's the day before, but we're Um, on the day of. Yeah. Well, we're recording this the day of. I mean, it's funny because we were were just talking about costumes and neither William or I are very much into Halloween. No. I know. I always say Halloween and New Year's is for the rookies. Oh. No offense, anyone. Amateur hour. Yeah. I mean, but there's some people... I mean, I... I can agree with you around the parties, right? Right. But I know people who started planning their costumes for Halloween months ago. Oh, no, no. People are serious about it. And it's gotten like out of control. Right. I was talking to someone in a store, and they said that they had a customer who had hired a costume designer to do their costume. Like a... Like I a, love that. Yeah. But I just think it needs to be the right venue you're going to. Like, I hate, like, some of these people put so much time and effort into, like, quote-unquote elaborate outfits, but then they're, they're in, a like, a 900-foot feet uh, studio, and it's, like, cocktails in someone's kitchen. It's like, well, right. if you're going to dedicate time to a costume, it should be, like, a big room. Red, like, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. Like, you should be really going somewhere. Really and going somewhere. And really be seen by it. Right. And not in a crowd on Santa Monica. Right. Well, that crowd on Santa Monica Boulevard, you know, people travel here. I mean, in yesteryears, right. people would travel here Pre-pandemic. from all over the world yeah. to go and be a part of that. It's like 100,000 people or something crazy. 500,000 people. I don't, I, I don't know. What I don't else. get it. Yeah. No. So, what is your favorite costume that you've ever worn, though? My favorite favorite? That you, yeah, not that you've seen on something that you've done. Because I'm not that into it either, but I have two costumes I have that were two. both killer. You want my number one or number two? You what can do you tell me both. Okay. It's a podcast. We can talk as long okay. as you want. My number two yeah. is, and actually you witnessed it. Um, it was... Let's see if I remember. You will. Um, I want to say it's got to be seven years ago now. The halloween that they did in the cemetery yeah 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 okay that year we decided a group of i think there was six of us we decided we wanted to be the disco footballers yes so we did football padding shoulder padding yeah and helmets and fully um mirrored the entire thing the surface of the entire helmet or the, the entire shoulder. So like a disco ball helmet and totally. a disco ball. That, that's pretty glam. It was really great until we didn't realize because they were tiles. They're basically <laughs> they're basically mirrored tiles, so yeah. they're squares. So what does that mean? There's sharp edges. Uh oh. So when we were in the crowd, we we figured out we were cutting people. <laughs> So that's why when you saw us, we were in VIP and we basically almost had to stay there because we were cutting people, like bleeding. Like it was, oh yeah. my! So all those people that were like vampires around you were actually just bleeding. They people actually from were the bleeding. Disco. And the cool thing is, is, we did that as a group three different times. We did it on the boulevard. We did it for a private Halloween event, 
and San Diego. But the concept is so good. It's too it was bad so that good. You couldn't figure out how to not have people die from it. So like, you well, did... what we should have done was gotten the more circular mirrored pieces. Yeah. Or did you guys just shatter your own mirrors and do? No, it? no, no. Well, we what we did was we went to Michaels. I guess that's a plug for Michaels, and we went and got mirrored tiles. Uh, and quarter you, inch. And you used the exact ones that they gave you and just did it that way. Right, we just hot glued oh, them it. all over uh, the You surface. and a hot glue. No, I, look, no. It's too much work. Okay, I got that. What was the other one? What's your time? The other one was, I got invited to um, Adam Lambert. He does a, like an annual Halloween party. I okay. got invited to it three days before. Of course. And I'm like, okay, I know this crowd. I know it's going to be a room full of celebrities. There's going to be a lot of press. I better bring it. So I went to my dear, dear friend, local L.A. designer, Chakra. Yes, Chakra. Love, love, love Chakra, Mr. Russell. Um, And went and I just grabbed a headpiece, a mask from him, and like, I don't know, six or seven random pieces, shoved it in a bag, and I was like, I'll figure something out when I get home. I'll, I'll make something up. I put all these pieces together, and it was a huge, huge Huge hit, and I called it my Glamazon, my horned Glamazon. Oh, yeah. So we'll, ha- we'll have to maybe post the picture. Of one yeah, of these we'll have Halloween to see. Looks. We yes, we will definitely have to get Eric to put some pictures up of this because yeah, I yeah. think that the, you yeah. know, the people are gonna be wanting to see. They're like, what is he? I have about? two. Both Tell of them me. are completely dumb. I think the time you saw me, I was dressed up like Wonder Woman. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And what had happened was <laughs> I had a friend visiting from Sweden, uh-huh. and we were coming back from Vegas and we got into the airport and there was a horrible accident on the 405. Like, horrible. It that took night. us, yeah, it took oh, us wow. to get, the freeway is just dead stopped and we were stuck on it. From LAX to my house, which is normally 45 minutes, it took four hours. What? Yeah, it was like closed and we were stuck. Anyway, and we had to go to the bathroom, it was the whole scene. So, we just sent a friend over to grab costumes for us. I said, look, just because my friend, she's like petite and then svelte. Like she's like five three, maybe uh-huh. five four, and I'm like six three, uh-huh. right? So I said, just get anything that's the same, like two costumes that are like a big one and a small one, and we'll go together, and it'll just be funny, like uh-huh. whatever it is. So it was Wonder Woman, right? So we, she goes to the store, says, "Okay, I found Wonder Woman. How about Wonder Woman?" And I go, "Great, let's do that." And my friend Botilda goes, "What's a Wonder Woman?" <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Yes, girl. So anyway, we got those on, and everyone loved it and thought it was so funny. And we were just like... And then I have this Bavarian barmaid costume, and I wear it with clogs, and it's a little mini skirt and this big, like, white, poofy thing. And I put, like, two big fake breasts in there, and I have this huge wig. I mean, with my clogs and this wig, I'm seven and a half feet tall. It is ridiculous. You're making me think of a Carol Burnett skin. Yes, it is worse than that. Like, not even a well done. And then I have this Louis Vuitton special edition bag that matches it. Uh-huh. So what happens is I wear that little bag, and I have, like, a fake cigarette in there, and it's, like, a whole shtick that I it's very funny. Did you stay in character? Oh yeah, okay. the whole time, okay. the whole time, and okay. it was it, it's that's that's a good time. So I, I mean, I say that I'm not that into it, but I gotta tell you, both of those times that I dressed up and went out uh-huh. and did that. You know, I had fun, but I was all, like, the first time was working at Halloweeny, uh-huh. right? So it was a big party in the cemetery, and I did that twice. So once Wonder Woman, once Bavarian Barmaid, and then once I went to a party downtown, oh. and for that I was wearing Bavarian Barmaid too, and it was like. It was funny. Yeah, you know, you know it's, it, it's it was also cool that 
you can tend to kind of think you're throwing something together and it's kind of half-assed. Excuse my friend. Oh, language! But people, everybody wants to be photographed with you and they love what, what your look is and blah, blah, blah. So, you know. I know, but William, that's like when you and I just go out to the market and this people are like, true. oh my gosh, you're so chic. Where'd you get those flip-flops? I'm like, <laughs> these Bottega Fanatic Crocodile? I don't know what you're, they're just flip-flops. These Swarovski Crystal crossovers? <laughs> <laughs> Our basics are other people's hopes and dreams. Yes. If we can and we're here that. to inspire. <laughs> we are here to inspire. Are we not? We are. And speaking of inspiration, will you give us some what? Vofab. Vofabulary. And you know what? That is Metal Mesh Chainmail. Uh, the first documented use of metal. Okay, so first of all, yes, talk I want to just talk about moving forward. When yeah. I say vocabulary, and uh -huh. you say I'm going to come with a vocabulary word, vocabulary, a word. Right. Like everything you have is like 17 words long. There are many things we can talk about other than metal mesh chainmail. Is Now, what isn't there chainmail just chainmail? Chainmail, well, chainmail and metal mesh are kind of, they go hand in hand. Because as far as I know, it began as chainmail. Okay. And then kind of morphed into metal mesh. Okay, because it's also very Game of Thronesy, right? Like all the... Well, that's part of it. Okay. Part of the lineage of it is the medi medieval times. Okay, I'll shut up now. You can tell yes, us all yes, about yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> First document... William's too nice and somebody shut I'm up. trying to be polite. And, trying. You know... You should all see the side eye I get right. here in the studio. Oh, like, oh I've honed in on the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> The first documented use of the woven wire was in ancient Egypt, where it was used to create gold and silver jewelry. The technique was later adopted by the Vikings, and then the wire weaving process was then called the Viking knit. Okay, so what? What? So wire weaving. So you're talking about that metal. So it's metal, and it looks like it's crocheted metal. It's, you could it's say, almost like knit. Uber micro mini chain, uh, like a chain link fence. Okay. I mean that's the best way. Right, that's just really condensed. Really down. tight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I okay, and they and they did it because it was for it would prevent a uh, sword from getting through or whatever, right? Exactly. In the fifth century, it was wired together and became increasingly po popular for that very reason because it prevented, like, if you were to get like in battle, if you were to get stabbed, it wouldn't be able to kind of penetrate. William, can't you imagine you and I in some chain mail in some battle in the 5th century? Oh, I mean, I could see myself in the chain mail. I, <laughs> I don't think I'd be, you know, down on, on the battlefield. You and I would be in the back, like, smoking cigarettes. Like, oh, those people are crazy I'd be in there. the tower supervising or, like, <laughs> yelling, look out. <laughs> but I wouldn't be down in the trenches. Absolutely not. No, I can't <laughs> see that for either of us. Many of the wire products were made by hand through wrought iron wire. It became increasingly more important and used in wire in the wire working industry, especially in Europe, where chainmail, chain c h i n m a i l l e, which derives from, of course, the French word meaning mesh or net. Huh. Okay, so mail is spelled M A I L L E. Yeah, okay. not like yeah, so not mail. you got mail. Yeah, uh -huh. no. <laughs> you got mail. <laughs> I'm sure there's some ridiculous Halloween costume you can do out of that, like you got mail, like a chain mail. That's a good know. idea. I'm just saying. Okay. Just saying. Meg Ryan and chain mail. It's like you got mail. Just saying. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that a stretch? Wow, that's not even side eye, you guys. I mean, straight on, like, roll eye at me right now. Sorry. No pupil, just eye roll. <laughs> Your head's going to fall off if you do that to me. Just saying. It's still used today for body protection purposes in, like, wood carvers, meat packer gloves, and jackets, as well as scuba divers to protect them from getting... Shark bites, basically. I can also see that a chainmail would be, rather than having like a metal breastplate that doesn't have any flexibility to it. Exactly. That chainmail would move with the body and you could actually, you know. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because they have a lot of that chainmail because you can do your your arms, your your torso, Mm -hmm. down your legs, all that. And to your point, you, you, you have much more mobility, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was brought into high fashion by 60s designer Paco Rabanne. No! And actually, at that time, in the late 60s, he was like the futuristic designer. I know, we gotta talk about Paco Rabanne. We really, really do, because he was... He was almost a hundred years before his time and well, his I, technique. Yeah, I still don't even. I really don't know much about him. I mean, I because even now, if I see Paco Rabanne somewhere, because they're you know they're reinventing it, they're, like, mm-hmm. they're trying to do everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to watch it because it's got a. Um, he has a very industrial, lots of metal mm-hmm. and all that that he's mm-hmm. still using. So mm-hmm. I just saw something at Bergdorf's a couple of years ago that was had chainmail in it. Isn't that yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And what I think, and what I think he, I believe he's the one that kind of put the twist on taking it from chain mail to metal mesh, meaning he took it from just links and took it into uh, small discs, be it geometric shapes like triangles, octagons, circles, and then link them together. But you think, you, if you think about it, this is the 60s, so they didn't have like laser cutters and like, you know, machines that could make you know, bump out all these tiny pieces. These are all done by hand. Yeah. And linked together by hand. So he kind of made it famous in the 60s. And then, of course, into the 70s, that was, you know, free love and hippies and peace. So I think the construction of the 60s kind of went away because of the 70s. But in the 80s, Mr. Gianni Versace put his twist on it and made it way more sexual. Yeah, I I actually remember that too. It's it's I now. How would you describe chainmail? So chainmail, I would I would describe as a material, like a fabric almost. Is that how you would think of it? Yeah, but it's a. It, but the thing about it is, it's it's a construct. It it's a fabric that's created and built. It's not. It goes through a process before it's on a roll. Right, but then once it's on a roll and done, then you still have to use that to make something. Right. So I feel like it's a it's a material. Right. Right. Yeah. So you could like, yeah. oh, I have velvet, I have chainmail. Right. You know, I and can make you that bra out of lace or chainmail or velvet. Right. And the the the, the cool thing is what uh, Paco Rabanne did was he would take PVC, different plastics, um, different metals like copper, steel, nickel. So he would incorporate it in, in a really cool way with different mediums. But there are movies that jumped on that bandwagon, like in, the, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, you see Audrey Hepburn in some Paco Rabanne pieces. There's a costume designer that did this amazing, and we'll probably post the picture, but the costume that Tina Turner wears in Beyond the Thunderdome in 1985 yeah. is epic. That's chainmail. 
Ah. And it really looks at like a futuristic medieval. You're gonna have to. Queen. Ch- your guys are gonna have to check out our Instagram because we're gonna have all these pictures on yeah, there. Yeah, you hear that, Eric? All these pictures on there, Eric. One hundred percent. And then a good friend of mine and local LA designer, Michael Schmidt, does his twist on it by doing pieces that he's done for Madonna, who's in the in the newest uh, V magazine, shot by. Uh, is it Stephen Mizell? Probably. She loves I Stephen I think Mizell. Stephen Mizell. Or Stephen Klein. I'm sorry. Stephen Klein did it. But he did a whole necklace bustier with, with and he um, collaborated with Swarovski Crystal. So he basically does the technique of building metal mesh, but with all Swarovski Crystals. So chain mail would be really the way that a designer could get metal into their collection. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And the wow. cool thing is, is it comes across, especially when you see a woman in it, it it's, you, the woman just exudes that kind of power. She's powerful. Yeah. We love and not that to be played with. Not to not be, be messed around with. I need to get some chain mail for myself. You do. And people stop playing with me. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that came across weird. They're already playing with me. We Don't like worry. Weird. Don't worry. We like weird. It's Halloween, y'all. Awesome. Thank you so much for all that hard work on letting us know what a chain mail, no. metal mesh chain mail is. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. the best, William. I'm trying. But you know what that means as I'm wrapping you up on that? That means it's time for our hotline. Yes. Okay, so I just, so you know, one of the reasons we've had a big lull here is I took a little tiny trip. A little tiny trip? Really? (laughs) Okay, I took a seven-week trip to Europe. (laughs) Just say two months. Yeah, well, no. I mean, it was really six and a half weeks, so it wasn't even really technically a full seven weeks. It was absolutely amazing. I did five weeks of a driving tour with my parents. That... That is magical. Yeah, we went to that Volvo and we drove from Sweden all the way down to through Germany to Czech Republic. Now, um, have you driven in no. before? I mean, I've driven in Sweden before and I've driven in Denmark before, but no, I mean, no. See, I could, I, I, you know, I've traveled extensively in Europe. I would be nervous. It's because... not, it's so good. Here's the thing about this so good, William, is that on your iPhone, uh-huh. like for example, we went from Prague to Vienna, right. okay? And uh-huh. on your iPhone, you just put maps uh-huh. and like how far is it? And it's just three and a half hours for the drive. Uh-huh. But there's a button that uh-huh. you can click underneath it that says how, um, how you want to go, and uh-huh. you can click n- avoids highways. Okay, that's and then that do. way with six and a half hours. But we're driving through the coolest, cutest, most beautiful parts of Austria you've ever. It was, yeah. But don't so you have to beautiful. worry about gas stations and when you're running out of gas? No, and not where there's you are. gas everywhere, and you have a okay. phone, and you have everything. It's okay. it's all hooked up. It's okay. not 1987 anymore, okay. sweetheart. There mm-hmm. are there are maps, there are directions, there are, and we just. I mean, we. We got a flat tire in Austria. Oh, see, I would, uh, see, I would have had a flat. And then we got picked no. up in the middle of nowhere by a flatbed truck, and they towed us into Vienna with us sitting in the car. Did you take pictures of this? Oh, I have a video. Did okay. you not follow me on Instagram? I, I do, but every I day. No, no but every I day. And there was a video of that one. 
It was hilarious. No, I saw your pictures, but I didn't see the oh, there was a whole the video. Oh, there was a whole video of it. And my dad is like, wow, look, the, we're getting great gas mileage into Vienna. I'm like, we are sitting on the back of a truck. <laughs> and we're in traffic, and people keep looking up at us like, oh, tourists. The best thing about the whole thing is nobody knows that we're American tourists. Right. Because our Volvo had a Swedish license there plate on go. us. And they're like, oh, those poor Swedes. Now, how, how long was that, that, that Five trip? Five Five weeks was the trip. No, no, the, as far as being on the flatbed. Oh, an hour and a half. Okay, okay. okay. From the countryside into the city of Vienna. Okay. But so that we, must have been a cool advantage super, point. It was super fun. I'm telling you, we went to Vienna, and then we went to Munich. We saw Dachau, and then we went Salzburg, through Switzerland, Dijon, up to Normandy, uh, Paris, Bruges, mm. Belgium, Amsterdam, Copenhagen. It was, wow. I came to tell you. I could literally talk to you, William, for hours and hours and hours just by the trip. But. That's amazing. I'm not allowed. Um, I wanted to just actually tell you my hot look was this little shop in Salzburg. Okay. And it was called Mindel. I'm just going to say it in German. Mindel! That's how they would say uh, it. How are we spelling that? <laughs> M-E-I-N-D-L. Mindel. And it is, yeah, and it is okay. a super, super old company, and uh-huh. all they make uh-huh. are like kind of like what would be. I don't even know that we have an American equivalent, except for Orvis or some like out outdoorsy stuff like that. But J Crew, no, it's they work in. Basically, they work in leather, right? Okay. They do a lot of leather work, uh-huh. but they do these leather shorts, and they're oh. suede leather. Oh, okay. So the salesperson, this super nice guy, no idea what his name is, but super nice guy, and he had these shorts on at work, and they're okay. like this suede leather. The treatment of them is insane. Like, when you touch them, uh-huh. they are like butter, okay? Uh-huh. And they're part of lederhosen, so you can take them with the straps, like the suspenders, and do a whole thing with them. Oh. Or you can buy them just as short, so they have a lederhosen feel, because they're kind of heavy. Okay, that's so And I was right. back and forth trying to, like, oh, I should get these, they're so cool, but they were like 1200 US dollars, and I'm like, I am never. Oh, wow. Right Wait, now, they handmade? Handmade, so okay. hand-finished, okay. the leathers are treated, and when you t- it is the most beautiful thing. So the look was just that, with a polo shirt, and a hiking boot and stuff. And I wanted that. And I was so in. I was trying them on. I was, I, I don't know what I was doing. It was like, what am I going to do with a pair of thousand dollars shorts that are made of suede leather in Los Angeles? Oh, I, like, we can figure some stuff um, out. And the problem with that too was like on top, you have to, uh, anyway, I loved, loved the workmanship of it. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's a garment that they've been making for over a hundred years. Right. And it's the same garment. So today you can go in to Mindel in Salzburg uh-huh. and buy that same garment that they've been making for a hundred years. Wow. And I was talking to the guy, he goes, yeah, I wear these like three times a week. And he goes, they're just so comfortable. They get so soft. And then you just love wearing them. Now let me ask you how, I'm curious to know how were they styled? Like how did, how did he wear them? He wore like, them with a button down shirt. Okay. And a belt. Okay. And that was it. It like was tucked like, in. Tucked in. It was like uh, okay. just very. Um, okay. It was very. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely stylized, but it's very here. I'm just showing them. But it's spoke. Ah, uh, it's almost like, like a cargo. It, they have cargo short versions. They uh-huh. have pockets on them, and they have just the regular ones. But the. It's all about the treatment of it. And I bought a belt from there because it had the material was just so beautiful. But okay. it was. It was definitely my hot look. There's something just so on point about 
working with a um, something that is so old. And, and that's lasted. Yep, and having it be new and relevant. Because it looks right, like, super in and cool right now. Wow. And it wasn't black leather. It was, like, beige nude leather. Uh-huh. And, and you wouldn't even really know it was leather or suede unless you touched it. Wow. So I, I was I was way into that. So that is my haute look. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley, those shorts. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. All right, now what about you? Well, uh, one woman, two looks. Uh-oh. One of my favorite, favorite movie stars, Miss Angelina Jolie. Ooh. On her uh, eternal press junket, her fir- I want to say... It was Wait, probably- is this a, just a press junket that wouldn't end, or is it for a movie called Eternal? Well, the movie... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A- that's a joke, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, the movie... For is her called- eternal <laughs> press junket. I'm like, is she just always on a press junket? Is that what you mean by that? No, I couldn't tell. that's the name of the movie. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> So I think her, I want to say her first um, red carpet moment, and I think this is her first red carpet since, uh, I think, the divorce from Brad, I believe. Really? I believe so. So she showed up. I think Brad's going to get back with Jennifer, don't you think? I hope not. Well, that's right. But teach I forgot all. about that. But I had, well, you know, we teach have a Okay, anyway, Angelina. She wore this draped, I guess the best way to describe the color is, think of cappuccino. Yeah. Uh, it, in appearance, it looks like a beautifully draped uh, strapless gown. Yeah. But in closer uh, inspection, it was a jumpsuit that had pockets and really, really, really full legs. And it was by Balmain. And it uh. was gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Wow. So she blew me away with that. Then, a couple of days later, she showed up in this in, eternal press junket in a strapless Grecian draped chainmail. See how I tied that in, y'all? Oh my god, cheater! Silver chainmail Versace Grecian strapless gown, and when I tell you, stunning. Like you mean un- it was a green metal? No, it was silver. It was silver metal. Oh. So it, it took on even more of a medieval vibe, but what made it so modern it was is that it was a strapless, and you can see it was a construct a constructed gown. And the thing that I do love about uh, Donatella Versace, she all she has built in bodysuit corsets in every dress. Yeah. So you're yanked and pulled, and your shape is to perfection from the inside out. So. Now- now, do you think that Angelina had the patience and the time and the wherewithal to do 10 fittings for that? Or do you think they have a bust form that's exactly her body? Um, I think she, I think they have, I think it's a little of both. Like, they must have very, very clear measurements of her. I mean, that's the thing about me. Like, look, you could come and design something for exactly how my body is today. But if mm-hmm. I'm wearing that in two weeks, good luck that my body's going to be exactly that. Well, what they weeks. do is they basically, they know your measurements. And they'll build a garment around those measurements, like, loosely, so that once you step into them, there's very little alterations you have to do. Gotcha. Excuse me. That was a sneeze. I don't oh know my if, gosh, I don't know if you heard it, but even, it's a small that sneeze. That was not even a sneeze. Yeah, I do small sneezes. Wait till I sneeze. My sneezes will make up for your sneeze. Yeah, so my whole look... Uh, and I just... I don't even know what to say. She's so stunning. I mean, that's Just amazing. Stunning. Good, stunning, stunning. Good for her. Yeah. We love that. Yeah, we do love All that. All right. Well, now listen, this week... And I have to say, what I love even more, it being the last day of um, 
October is Breast Awareness Month, and she is a breast cancer survivor. So it's not just Breast Awareness Month. No, it's Breast <laughs> Cancer Awareness Month. <laughs> you just month. said Breast Awareness Month. I know a lot of men yeah. that every month is Breast Awareness Month, but Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, Breast month. Cancer. So it, it's, it's pretty inspiring to see someone... And she's a double mastectomy. She she's, had that gene and she had... Yeah, um, she's yeah. a double mastectomy, but she looks beautiful and triumphant and she's inspirational, so... I love that. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I you know... It's so funny because I remember when she and Brad were together and she kept getting this bad rap and I'm like, why? Brad's the one that was cheating. What? Uh, anyway, don't right. get me started. Right. Okay. Right. right. So then, now, yeah. we yeah. can talk about that for three hours. But yeah, but not. yeah, that's a different okay. show. Uh, that is a totally different show. So now we're going to get on to our power player. <laughs> I started working, really I was going to do a brand view on Marc Jacobs. Okay. But then I decided, I don't know, it's a difference for me between brand view and a power player. It's a brand view, we're really going to get to a lot of the numbers, a lot of the business, like what's happening. Right. And that's a different story to tell than to mm -hmm. tell the story of Marc Jacobs. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Marc Jacobs and what I found to be very interesting about him and uh, his life and maybe how he got to you know, where mm -hmm. he is, mm -hmm. which we can all have questions about where he is. And yeah. that would be part of this yeah. particular debate. Yeah. So he was born in 1963, which okay. means he's 58. Okay. Yeah. That can't be. Why? We're getting old, William. Well, time goes on, my I friend. I mean, I guess it does. Um, and uh, so he's, you know, it, it, it's a very interesting story. So, so from 1963 is when he was born. In 1970, his father, who was an agent at William Morris, ah, died. Okay. Right? And it's interesting because, you know, you can make up all you want, right? Because we yeah. weren't there. I mean, right. you might have been there, no, but we weren't there. I was not. Okay. And, <laughs> and it makes you think about those people that lose their father right at a young age right. how they're looking for that approval all the time when they're mm -hmm. searching they're in this search mode mm -hmm. and it's part part of it makes me think that that could have been where he's lost his way you know with his abuse issue drug mm -hmm. abuse issues and all that 100%. stuff and so i just thought that was kind of an interesting thing so um his mom after the father died his mom remarried three times oh wow and mark actually so sure that messed with him oh yeah and mark referred to her his mother as being mentally ill so he's has like it all makes sense. Right? Now. If you think about it like that, you're like, oh, this poor guy, like this lost guy. Yeah. So he moves in with his far more, which is Swedish for grandmother. Oh. Okay. But what's really smart about the Swedes is that they have far more and more and more. And those are two terms for grandmother. And far more means your father's mother. Okay. Right? And then so more, more and more is, is your mother's mother. That makes sense. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dama and whatever. I don't know uh -huh. what that would be. Dada and dad. Anyway. Um, so it was... Anyway, so he moved in with her and lived on Central Park West on the Upper West Side. So, I mean, he grew up with, you know... So he... What I'm privilege? Not, I'm he, not quite sure the struggle. Right. There's no struggle here. But I, go ahead. But, I mean, I, I, I mean, we can say that, but, you know, I grew up with two parents in a house and a, 
you know, a great, like, that was probably a richer way to grow up mm-hmm. than growing up with your grandmother on the Upper West Side because your dad died and your mom's crazy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, who knows? He was born in New Jersey, which also makes lots of sense if you look back. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to judge. Um, yeah. So in Parsons, he went to Parsons yeah. School of Design. In 1984, he got the Perry Ellis Award for Young Designer. Wow. And I, I actually met him while he was at Perry Ellis. When yeah. I was in school, yeah. Well, he also... So just... I'm going to give you a couple other awards he got. So in 87, he got the youngest designer. He was the youngest designer to ever win the Council for... The Council for Fashion Designers of America Award for New Fashion Talent. CFDA, wow. Right? So 87. So how old was he? He was 24. Wow. Which, he's a kid. Yeah. Now, I think Perwin's a schooler came in after that and won younger. Yeah. Because I think their thesis like the princess schooler boys their actual their what's it called their thesis or their mm-hmm. presentation collection mm-hmm. from school mm-hmm. showed at fashion week oh wow that was fashion week. i mean with Anna, thanks Anna i remember that yeah yeah um and then 1993 he was women's designer of the year so he's definitely not one that's been um Afraid of awards, right. shall we say? Right. When he was his first job, he was fifteen, and he was a stock boy at an avant-garde clothing boutique in New York City called Charavari. I used to work there. No, you did I'm not. I'm in a documentary. Yes, <laughs> I used to. Yes, of course. I used to work there. I was a cashier there when I was in college. Well. I mean, all good things come from Charavari. Oh, they do. They Is that really, you say? Really it's Charavari? Charavari, yeah. Charavari. Where was it in New York? There were several locations. There was Columbus Circle. Oh. There was Central Park West. And there was 57th Street. Well. Yeah. That's where he started when he was 15, which is Wow, like I didn't know that. And then um, <laughs> Jacobs, Mark Jacobs, and his business partner, Robert Duffy created Jacobs Duffy Designs. And that was his longtime um, business partner. And that was in the mid-80s wow. that they did that. Now, 1986 was the first collection he designed with his name, right? Mm-hmm. But before that, they'd already kind of created this business together, mm-hmm. Robert Duffy and Mark Jacobs. Now, Robert Duffy... I know this name. Robert Duffy was the president of Mark Jacobs' company. Okay. And he was on the board of LVMH. Okay. And... Full disclosure, he happened to be one of the best dates of my entire life, and I'm not afraid to say that. Wow! Like it was so amazing. So we met at a we met on a red carpet. Okay. At when they opened the Mark Jacobs here. Okay. And I was covering the opening for CNN, so I was doing an interview thing and like talking about what was coming, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And they interviewed him as well, Robert. Uh huh. And on the red carpet later, I walked by him and his publicist. And he said to his publicist as I walked by, oh, that guy's adorable, right? And I was like, what? And so I came back and I looked him right in the eyes and I said, I'm sorry, what'd you say? And he goes, nothing, nothing. He was scared to death, right? Really? Like, yeah. And then the publicist goes, I gotta go. The publicist abandons him, which I love her for that. Nice. And then I go, adorable how? Like, you want to go on a date or like a hula girl on your dashboard? <laughs> Which, I don't know where I got that from. This is why I'm single, what by the way. Girl. This is why I'm single. And so I, um, he said, no, like, I'd like to go on a date. So Aww. I was like, oh, okay. So I call him. We disconnect. We don't connect, right? Mm-hmm. He's busy. He's going back to New York. So I was coming to New York for Fashion Week or some job. I called his office. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been, we lost your number. We've been looking everywhere for it. He wants to have dinner. 
So we had this amazing dinner at the Paris Commune. Oh, nice. In the West Village. Okay. Walked around. Went back. It was just like... A real date. A real part. We had dinner, a bottle of wine, maybe oh. two. And mm-hmm. then here's the funniest thing about... I'm so tacky to talk about it like this, no. but who cares? No. Um, after, the dinner was... I was like, well, listen, I really want to pay half. I want to mm-hmm. pay my way. Right, I mean, right. you don't need to buy... It. I had my mom... Yeah, I got my own thing right, going. Right, you know, right. I was doing TV shows. Right. I was doing things. I, I, I got things. Mm-hmm. I go, let me help you. I really want to get half the bill. So I, op- I grabbed the bill out of it. I opened it up. And the bill for the two of us was $1,600. And, you and he had been buying these like $800 bottles of wine and stuff. And we had two. So like six, it was like crazy. And I closed that up. You're like, let me give that And I just back said that back to him. I go, thank you so much for dinner. And he <laughs> <Yeah>. started laughing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was really nice. And then it was just this amazing, we had this beautiful kiss goodnight on his the steps of his brownstone no. in the West Village. And then he never called me again. I just wasn't interested. Oh, he invited me to stay and have dinner with him uh-huh. um, at um, his house. He was hosting a dinner. Uh-huh. And it was Anna Winter was there and all these people. And I couldn't because I had to fly the next day back to L.A. because I was re- filming. Oh, I was wow. on a show. And after I said no to that, he just never, ever... No. And he never responded again. And then I sent like a, I sent him an FEO Schwartz um, five foot tall giraffe oh. with candy around it to his office. Uh-huh. And I put, I'm just sticking my neck out here. Call me. Oh, uh, that's right? adorable. Right? He didn't. Uh, I know. Right? Oh, shady. Uh, shady. And then when the next time I saw him at one of his shows, because whenever I called, he always gave me a great ticket. Like mm. I always sat second row or right behind Martha Stewart or whoever mm-hmm. else was about to steal my wallet, right? Right. And uh, he had some tall, blonde guy <laughs> that time. But um, yeah, it was so, uh, it was like, who cared? Right. Like, I just don't even care to this day what happened after the date. Because uh-huh. it was such a great date. Yeah. Like it was yeah. so amazing. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh. Perfect. Right. Anyway, so that. I didn't really realize how connected they were because in 1988, mm-hmm. Robert Duffy and Mark Jacobs took over Perry Ellis's brand after he died. Mm-hmm. So he died, and then they were in running the whole brand mm-hmm. uh, until 1992. Mm-hmm. Do you know what happened in 1992? Besides, what? I was born. Night. What? What happened? He designed a grunge collection for Perry Ellis. I remember that collection. And he got fired. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize that's when he got fired. Yeah. But but that also was the grunge era. There were a, right. There was a bunch of brands. And this is you my, know what it probably is? There were a bunch of brands doing grunge, but at the time, now that I'm saying it to you, that wasn't on brand for Perry Ellis. Well and Perry Ellis was so classic and Yeah, but and it makes you wonder. Look. He was designing that and working on that in a, in a room. Someone oh, knew true. what was coming. I mean, that's it's not like that's it's true. not like the executives at Perry Ellis we're go to the show and be like, show. "Oh my gosh, it's grunge." That's true. They knew about it, it was going to be grunge for weeks and months ahead. Maybe maybe not maybe months, maybe, weeks. maybe they did see him in the process and tried to deter him from going forward. And he said no, and he did it anyway. That's the only thing I could think. It's possible, but I think that it's interesting that. I'm sure there's more to that story than just that. There has to but be. It, because like I said, there were a bunch of... Design- but it That just, was the grunge era. Everyone just was doing it. It feels to me like it's very on par with these big companies buying these fashion brands. Mm-hmm. And if you try and express your thoughts for the season, you lose. Yeah. But if well, you really yeah. stay right in line, you right. know, you can go ahead and design for Alexander McQueen now. But if you don't stay right in line right. with if what they want... you told, you're fine. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I don't think Mark's good at doing what he's told. Um, so then, uh, in 1984, he did his first full collection of menswear. 1997, okay. his career was just rocking and rolling. 1997, he simultaneously started doing Louis Vuitton. And he was at Louis Vuitton for a long time. Yeah, he was he there really from 97 did. to 2014 as creative director. Yeah, he really did an amazing job for that. And he really did. He did these great collaborations. I mean, not with Kanye West, but he did like these um, Steven Sprouse. And he did these amazing. amazing collaborations, pieces that are stu- still pivotal. And it was yeah. really the launch of Louis Vuitton's clothing. Everything oh, has yeah. come out of Louis Vuitton. Right. And I don't really brand. think people were buying ready-to-wear from Vuitton no. until Marc Jacobs... No, I don't think... I think he launched it. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think it was mm-hmm. just right around that time that Louis Vuitton... I remember going to a party at Louis Vuitton and Rodeo Drive when it was just the dark wood and only monogram, the LD monogram stuff. They had a few epi leather pieces. And I remember telling them saying there, oh, well, we're getting ready to start doing clothing. And I remember all of us were like, ew, what? Mm-hmm. what? You're a luggage company. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing clothes? Mm-hmm. Super interesting to me. Yeah. Had I could just gone back and had some resources then, I could have bought a whole set of luggage, hard case luggage then for what one suitcase is now. Yep. Uh, don't mm-hmm. get me started. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, in 2001, he started Mark by Mark. So he had Mark by Mark in 2001. So in 2001, he had Mark by Mark, mm-hmm. Mark Jacobs Women's, mm-hmm. Mark Jacobs Men's, and Louis Vuitton. Wow. So he had a lot, a lot, plate. a lot happening. Yeah. And that's where he started to really kind of lose his way because he was, pull, you know, just pulled so many different directions. Yeah, and there, each collection is like men's wear. You have accessories. You have, and I don't mean just accessories Knits, like shoes. Shirting, right? suiting. Right. Shoes. And that's just the men's. And then you have the women's. And you have the mark by mark. And you have, it's just like it's a, a whole, lot. it's a lot. And I think that that is what led to him being... Um, Stretch too thin. Stretch too thin. Yeah, yeah. 2007, there was a film done called Mark Jacobs and Louis Vuitton, which, have you heard of this movie? No. We must find yeah. said movie. Yeah, that would be to. very interesting. So it's called Mark Jacobs and Louis Vuitton. And then he started doing it the same time as the Mark by Mark. I, I liked the Mark by Mark. I bought so much Mark Jacobs. Can I just tell you, like 2008 to 2015, I was buying so much Mark Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Like the collection stuff was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Made in Italy mm-hmm. and made in New York City. These mm-hmm. beautiful jackets and mm-hmm. these beautiful pants, and they were. They weren't for everybody, but every collection, he would just do these gorgeous knits. Mm-hmm. You know, like a navy, Agreed. thin cashmere sweater that had like little paillettes or glitter the on the details. pockets. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they were just, they were just gorgeously done. And I, I bought so much from him that um, I found it, I was so sad as the brand started to deteriorate. Yeah. You know, because it was not only just sad for the brand, but sad for me because it was such a go-to for me. Right. You know how you, you, you have clients, yes. you do your basics, and uh-huh. all of a sudden that basic's not available anymore? Mm-hmm. You're like, what am I going to do? You're scrambling. But yeah. Um, 2009, I did, uh, he did, um, started doing these political t-shirts. And remember, mm-hmm. he'd have these white t-shirts with just big statements on them. Mm-hmm. He'd sell them and raise money for all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. So he um, did a whole thing for gay marriage in 2009. Uh So he was on the forefront of that. And he has a whole program that he does against melanoma Mm -hmm. that's called... um, 
protect your skin, I think. Love the skin you're in. Yes, I have one of those t-shirts, yes. And uh, it was very popular. He's got all these amazing people to do uh, nudes for him, to raise money. Miley Cyrus, Kate Upton, Victoria Beckham. Victoria Beckham, can we just all remember she was a Spice Girl? Yeah. Can we just talk about that every once in a while? Um, Heidi Klum, Hilary Swank, Naomi Campbell. Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss. Yep. And they all posed nude. Uh Uh-huh. And they weren't like, here's my breasts. Right, they, but they, they were, were ha- hiding news. the naughty bits. They were hiding, hiding, hiding the, the naughty bits. Hiding the naughty bits. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because as you look at this success that he had at such a young age, um, in his 30s mm-hmm. and early 40s, and then he just like lost focus somewhere in there. 2010, he sued Ed Hardy, which I'm like... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, for infringing on his designs. Um, and then really? 2013, for one year, he was the creative director for Diet Coke to rebrand Diet Coke. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Did you know that? No. I read it online. It must be true. Re- <laughs> <laughs> must it? I mean, I don't know. Wait, it, maybe. Okay. I can see maybe. It was the 50th anniversary of Diet Coke or the 30th anniversary. The bottles? I yeah, yeah. They see. were designing the bottles and like the imaging and all Okay, that. I can see that. No, no, I can see that. Now, the other thing about 2013 that was quite scandalous is he got in a lot of trouble with PETA and a lot of these people because Why? Mark by Mark had been selling all this faux fur stuff. Right. Right? Did okay. you not hear about this thing? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, not the whole thing. There was a lot. So he, he used it. I don't know if he, I'm sure he doesn't use real fur anymore, but back in the day he was using fur, right. shearlings, uh-huh. and the Mark by Mark. So there's Mark Jacobs, which is the main collection, right? right? And then there's Mark by Mark Jacobs. Right. And then they, he did all these silly diffusions. He did Jacobs for Mark by Mark. He did all these other things. But anyway, mm-hmm. there's the main line, J- Mark Jacobs, and then Mark by Mark Jacobs. Mm-hmm. So the Mark by Mark Jacobs, most of it was made in China or Hong Kong or none of it was really made in Italy or the US. It was more, much more accessible price point. So mm-hmm. you're talking about $228 for a cardigan mm-hmm. versus $895 at Marc Jacobs, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that the faux fur, I'm using air quotes here, you can't mm-hmm. see them through this podcast, but mm-hmm. the faux fur that they were using for the Mark by Mark stuff was actually raccoon dogs from China. So it's actually Shut do- up. It was actually dog fur. Are you kidding? No. I remember that whole thing. And it, it wasn't all of them. But, and you know, it was the manufacturer kept saying it was probably easier for them to go, you know, get dog fur than it was to use faux fur. Wow. So that was kind of a problem for that Mark Jacobs. That could be a problem. And then, because it was being sold as faux, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and then 2013 yeah. also led to his, the year he left Louis Vuitton. Okay. Um, and then he started really, <clears throat> I feel like, if I as an observer, right. he started to really just um, start to bond with his people, his community, mm-hmm. and get out mm-hmm. to his friends. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so Miley Cyrus is one of his, you know, people that he's mm-hmm. with a lot. In mm-hmm. 2014, she was the whole campaign. Mm-hmm. And then the next, that same year, he did something really amazing. He took Jessica Lange, and she was the face of Marc Jacobs' beauty. Ah. Uh. Beautiful woman, yeah, yeah. not twenty-two but and beautiful. hungry, but like beautiful. but just amazing, yeah. beautiful, classic woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in two thousand eighteen was like a a problem. So they they were losing about fifty million euro a year, the Marc Jacobs brands, oh my right? So they're really they they've been having some trouble. Mm-hmm. And I again, I didn't go that much into the numbers of it, which would probably be an interesting thing to do, but. Uh, 
LVMH who bought part of Marc Jacobs, right? And I think that they might have owned part of it from when he was creative director or whatever their deal was. Um, they assigned a creative director of contemporary Marc Jacobs. So they they had put in a creative director at Marc Jacobs. Yikes. Which, if he's the designer, it's just like a very interesting... So I think that that's... It's very similar to what happened to Halston. Yeah. It is, but it's... Very similar. It's so, it's so rough for me because it feels so preventable. Like, as I was working on this, I kept having this thought like... Maybe next time I'm in New York, I'll just call him and he'll sit down and listen to me. Mm -hmm. I'll just say, listen, what you did with your brand from 2005 to 2015 may have been boring for you. Mm -hmm. But people loved it. And it was viable. And people, and and the style of everything he did was just so brilliant in all that time. I just, anyway, in 2019, he got something called the Fashion Trailblazer Award Mm -hmm. from MTV. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know who MTV thinks they are giving out fashion awards. But Thank okay. you. <laughs> and September 2020, which in the middle of the pandemic, he launched a line of called Heaven. Did you hear about this? No. No, none of us did. It was a pandemic. Do not launch lines in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a polysexual line. So polysexual meaning that they were garments that could go for men, go for women, go for um, you know non-binary people. Mm. Whoever wants to buy it buys mm-hmm. it and wears it. And I think that that's an interesting thing happening. I think there's a oh, lot of brands right that are doing like crossover and in terms of what they're selling. Um, but one of the things I loved, my, one of my favorite quotes about his stuff that he said himself was, my clothes are not hot. Never, ever. And if you look at what his collections are, it's not about being sexy, right? Uh-huh. It's all about being pretty and cool and funky. Uh-huh. And I think it's a really important statement to make, yeah. that I'm not about being hot and sexy. Mm-hmm. It's about There are some sexy designs, but it's not so much about... It, they're not sexual, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then I, I think it can be sexy the way it's maybe worn. Right. But I just know that so much of what I've bought from him has just been beautiful stuff. Yeah. Just pretty. Um, which I thought that was great. Also, the Renta accused him of copying a coat one time that was 30 years ago. And this New York writer said something great about it, which I thought really sums up where we are at with the fashion industry and fresh designs and all that. This writer said, Mr. Jacobs makes no pretense that fashion emerges full-blown from the head of any one solitary genius. Mm-hmm. So it's really that people are inspired by what's around them. What you absorb, yeah. right? And like I'm looking right now, and you've got a you know a zipper jacket on, Adidas stripes and camouflage. Mm-hmm. I go, you know what? I love that orange. You know what? I I like that orange. Maybe I'll go and do something out of the orange. Mm-hmm. So in some way, it's not an original thought because mm-hmm. I'm being inspired by what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. What, what you're, you're wearing? wearing. <laughs> See what I did there? I like that. Um, and I, anyway, so I thought that was a very. Um, interesting point. Then the other thing is where he's been coming back to his own roots is he uses a lot of cultural icons way more than sexy big models. So, uh, for example, Sandra Bernhardt, mm-hmm. Bette Midler, mm-hmm. Juliette Lewis. Like, he's bringing those people in. And he did this big campaign in 2016, which I now feel like I need to go back and look at. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know Bette Midler ever did a campaign with him. But she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chloe that, Sevigny, I think, did one yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can never say her name, so I didn't want to quote her. But Sevigny. Yeah. Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. Chloe Sevigny. <laughs> Merci. And my last topic about him was he got 
married in 2019. To a friend of mine. To a friend. Yeah, Char is a friend of mine. So I need to have this, I need to have this meeting with Mark. Yeah. And... And Char is a sweetheart. And Mark Jacobs proposed to him at a Chipotle with a flash mob. Did you oh, know that? Oh, no. Yeah, he arranged cute. a flash mob at Chipotle, which was apparently their favorite place, and it was to Prince's Kiss. Oh, that's amazing. Right? So you've got to find it somewhere. That. But that video must be somewhere online. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, got that's to amazing. That. I would say yes. If someone did that, you got to say yes. You hear that, everybody? That's how you, that's the way to William's heart. A flash mob at Chipotle. I, I First of all, no, I don't know catch if one. I don't know if it's Chipotle though. <laughs> well, you'd have to catch him at a Chipotle, which just sounds like a whole thing. So I, I think what I, my point of Mark Jacobs really is like, there's all of these successes and his business is in a really interesting, funky place right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sending great fashion vibes to him because I really. Always. Because what he's doing now, I have to say is brilliant. It's gorgeous. Yeah, his collections in late in the last two years. Uh, every every. Well, this gorgeous. new thing he just did with these puffers that love. are. Oh, William! I William, love the they puffers. They are so big, William. It is like but, wearing an IKEA down comforter in fluorescent green to dinner. No. I'm all over it. No, I'm all no, about no, it. No, no. Sign me up. No, this is no. I love Absol- it, Mark. You can send me one. Absolutely not. <laughs> I love them. Absolutely not. Love. That is our dear friend. Mark, Mark Jacobs. Jacobs. All right. One last thing, William. One last thing. Um, I'm a big believer in dress. Dress appropriately. Know your audience. And dress appropriately, once again. I'm flipping through channels, and I try to stay away from the po- political arena. Because it can, you know, drag you down a dark hole. But there was a woman. I don't even know her name. She was in the Supreme Court, protesting, I believe, against what is and is not being taught to our children as far as the history of the country. And I think children Uh-oh. should be children should be taught the truth and not an edited truth. But she shows up. Uh oh. This is a room full of important men. They're gonna have on seats. And women. And women. There's some important women there. Dressed professionally. She shows up in a black t shirt and a denim vest. <laughs> Now, to me, off the bat, that's just being disrespectful. Disrespectful. And there's whatever she has to and you, say. And, that, and you're calculating. You're doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it even worse. Yeah, I think that, I mean, didn't someone, I mean, I wonder if you're going to go and testify the Supreme Court, right? And you're just some normal person living your life in Arizona, and you get a call in because you somehow got involved in this case, doesn't somebody send you like a thing, okay, here's what you need to know about going to the Supreme Court. You're going to enter through this door. Right. We recommend you wear this kind of a thing, and it's going to be televised to so stay away from this color. And like, isn't there somebody that's going to no, give she, these people directions? But the thing is, she knows better. It's not, th- th- there's so much to that that someone doesn't have to tell you. That's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like, like if you know you're going, okay, let's, you're going to a wedding or you're going to church. Are you going to show up in a a crop top and sneakers? Well, at the churches in Hollywood, I will tell you. No, unacceptable. Unacceptable. It is, but it is very interesting how, it's it's like, I mean, was she even wanting to be there? I mean, unless she was there there in protest, like then that could be cool. Of course, that was part of why she wore it. To be a protester? Yeah. Well, no, to be a, a protesting what the room was about. Yeah, I got that. 
I got that. But to actually protest her having to show up and testify, that I can get. Like, I don't want to testify. But she was she was going to make a point of an issue she had a problem with. <sighs> yeah. So I just, for them to listen to you, you'd probably want to be more on point I, for them to listen. I always say that, yes, good, good people will listen really hard to what you're trying to say. And they'll get through whatever you're presenting visually. Right. However, why must you give them so much work to do to be able to even listen to you powerfully? Right, right. There's right. just no reason. Right, because right. if you're visually distracting, they're not hearing everything no, you're No, they're not. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Don't get me started. But you know what? You need to start doing is you need to start following, following us on Instagram and Facebook and the liking us wherever we say and to like absolutely us. share 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 oh. just share with one other person <laughs> thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time